I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Reproducer. Hello, I'm Jenny Nelson. And I'm Mark Jeeves, and welcome to Reproducer. It's the podcast series that looks at the role of a radio producer, that person who sits behind the glass sometimes, or sits in the studio with the presenter, and somehow does something that makes radio shows happen. We'll try and explain. Today's guest is a producer who's producing a groundbreaking radio show for listeners at the younger end of the Rajar Diary, something we've talked about quite a lot on Reproducer. We're delighted to welcome the producer of the one extra breakfast show, Adele Cross. Essentially, you have to know what in the world you're doing when it's important because you're actually the pillar of the whole show. So as a producer, you have to find that fine line between being an authority figure but someone who that they can be comfortable with. Even if your audience get to sleep at a decent time, you don't get to because you have to know everything all the time. So Adele currently produces Nadia J on One Extra. She's worked on loads of shows. She kind of casually just mentions producing the Radio 1 chart with Scott Mills and working with Trevor Nelson. And to be honest, I think she was really modest. There's loads of other shows she could have told us about. But in this conversation, she chats about having four alarm clocks to make sure she's up for the breakfast show. She tells us about the One Extra audience, how lockdown made the One Extra breakfast show what it is today, gives us her top tips for talent management and she also talks about reaching out and what we need to do to get the next generation of production talent and new listeners. And she also tells us why it's important to be yourself as a producer. But we started by asking Adele how she got into radio in the first place. Reproducer. Reproducer. It's been 21 years now, Grandma Adele. So when I first started, I literally bumped into radio which is going to be frustrating for some that are really trying to pick their way to get to the career, but I bumped into it because I left university and my essays were always late, so I could type really quickly. That was a bonus. Then that meant that when I went to um, uh, PA agencies for media outlets, they loved me. And I went to Radio 4 for only a week to work for the editor of Current Affairs, and they said, it's just a week, don't worry about it. 
I went, cool. And then a week became, a month became, six months became 21 years. And I didn't even realize really the machine that creates the intimacy that we understand, right? So growing up, again, show my age, I would listen to Capital and um, Chris Tarrant. And I remember that as a kid and the chart show as a kid. And that was in my room. And I never imagined that I could be the person in that little box in my room. So when I first started at Radio 4, again, it was a, a it was for a week as a PA to Wynne Williams, who's amazing. And I learnt on the job. I studied French and Italian at university, nothing to do with media. And in fact, again, and this is part of the advice thing too, if you don't know what you want to do, it's fine as long as you have an idea what you don't want to do. So because I did French and Italian and I, I speak quite a few languages, it was assumed, well, obviously, she'll go into banking. So I did one day at Deutsche Bank. In fact, didn't even last a day till 3 p.m. I was like, I'm out, I can't do this because the whole motivation at Deutsche Bank obviously is to make money. Clearly, I don't make money. So it wasn't that much of an inspiration to me, right? So I thought, so what else can I do? And I just loved communicating. And communicating is obviously words, radio, media that's what we do uh so when I went there for the first week I just kept my head down and just learned and I think also because I never studied it I felt I had to make up for a lot for a lot of knowledge I don't have so my eyes were super peeled uh my first story was 9-11 and I went out for lunch came back and New York was burning and then you just have to learn on the ground what to do so I was again a PA so I was low on the totem pole but everyone in that room obviously has to get together. So that's why I learned that, right, so this journalist is going to go to New York in two hours. They found BA has done a flight for them. So you have to go somewhere and make sure they got underwear, toothpaste, et cetera, go get the passport. All those things I have no idea would exist if you're just watching TV or watching, listening to radio, I got firsthand experience of. So from 9-11 and watching how people operate to Trevor Nelson Live Lounge to OBs, you just learn behind the scenes how things happen. And the best uh, compliment for me is that it's seamless, that no one knows what's going on. Totally. So how did you, so then from Radio 4, where did you go then? And what was the path up? The best thing was that I was told I would never leave as my grade. So again, I didn't study it and I was a PA. I went from being a PA to a production coordinator at Radio 4. Then I was told, oh, it's very tough to leave uh, support to go into, you know, programs. And it's tough to leave Radio 4. So, of course, I left Radio 4 uh, to become a researcher on Newsbeat, the news programming, youth programming for Radio 1 and 1 Extra. Loved it. Learned an awful lot. The newsroom is a terrifying and exhilarating and expensive place to learn. But once you learn those skills, it sets you up for life. I would never take it back. But, you know, I love music. And at one point, there's a, a journalist called Maddie Savage, who's lovely. And this is what I knew. And again, what you like, what you don't like, what you're made for, what you're not made for. Remember when the whale got stuck in the Thames? Do you remember that time? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I came out from lunch and Maddie Savage ran down the stairs saying, oh my God, Adele, Adele, I what? I get to go report on the whale. And I thought, Good for you. I'm going to go have my print sandwich. And that's what I knew. I'm not created to be a journalist. A documentary maker is different because you can sit in a story and get to know them and just 
craft something, but that kind of bam, 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 journalists, got to get the story, got to nail it right, is not how I'm made. But it was useful to know that. So that I left Newsbeat, and I was blessed to then go on to programs on Radio 1, Rats Kwame, uh, music shows, and then Trevor Nelson, and then et cetera, et cetera. Did some TV, did a gospel Christmas. I've just been around the world, really, just bits and bobs. <laughs> well, then, you're very well placed to help us try and find the answer to the question, what does a radio producer actually do? How would you define that job? I would rather tell you what I see a radio producer, the kind of person that they are. Okay. It's the one person that everyone looks to. It is not the presenter. Sorry, guys. Uh, it is the producer because my example is always about the queen, God rest her soul. It's like when the queen dies, no one's looking at the presenter. They're looking at the producer to say, what do I do? Mm. That goes for the editor, the presenter, your exec, your um AP, sorry, your assistant producer, your content assistants, they're all saying, producer Adele, what do we do? And I have to know exactly what to do and when to do it to keep calm. So to me, a producer is, can be, you know, zany and wacky and creative and great and make teas and like be everyone's friend. But essentially you have to know what in the world you're doing when it's important because you're actually the pillar of the whole show. Now, me personally, I'm not a fan of being on air. So this is fun. But um, <laughs> I need to know that everyone in the team knows that they've got me within eyesight. So if something happens, we're good. That even means if there's a joke, I can back it up. If there's a song you need or there's something happened that you know that Dell's there. So I'm not ever going to be, you won't ever hear me, but hopefully the presence of a producer will be in that, again, that seamless feel where things just happen and you don't know why it's happening, it's just happening smoothly. And I guess you're like that because of um, people that you've seen produce in that way. So who have been some of your big influences through your life or career? I'm going to say Paul Lewis, Moneybox, to start. Well, really? Because- Legend. I had never seen or understood in my head how someone can have a cogent, coherent conversation with a um, minister for pensions or pens, right? And then count, look at the clock counting down the seconds to when he has to end the conversation, but also have his producer in his ear, giving him details about percentages and mortgage rises at the same time. Paul Lewis, how do you switch your brain in three? This gentleman is like the most graceful swan. Amazing. And that's the first presenter I saw, and I thought, that's it. Right. And when you hear him, there's no indication of that at all, is, you? Uh, is there on the radio? Absolutely brilliant. Superb. So moving on from people, what about lessons? And what's the most significant lesson that you think you've ever learned? <laughs> I've got to say, be yourself. You're your best version when you're yourself. I'll also say that's why, in my opinion, when you, become, when you know your voice as a presenter, as a producer, that happens if you've been through life or as an older person, because then you know who you are. So I am a dark-skinned black woman from London, half Salonian, half Trinidadian, started a radio for nine, doing 9-11, but now producing Trevor Nelson and Nigel J, doing OBs at wireless, but still have to be comfortable in um, a Radio 3 environment because I have to be comfortable who I am. So if I try to be 
anything other than me, I would flop because I'm I'm a rubbish impersonator of other people. But hopefully I am good at being my authentic self. And the really weird thing is this. When you are yourself, even if you're kind of strange and a bit weird, once you're authentic, people love your strange weirdness. And they go, oh, I want that. Who would have thought? That's a very good point. It's very true. And so could you therefore tell us about one of the proudest moments of your career, of how all the all this alchemy has come together? I can tell you the effect. So, uh, you know, as a producer, you just, you know, do the scripts and make sure the presenter's okay and rare, rare, rare. In my case, get up at four in the God love him morning and then you... Is there a four in the morning? I, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, those ones. Uh, brush your teeth and then get to work and then just you, you're on, right? So you, I tend to forget what we do because let's be honest too, our, our career is a privilege. It may not be well paid, but it is a privilege. So that's nice. However... When I get someone who says they heard a show I did growing up, there's one time, oh yeah, so I was producing uh, the chart show with Scott Mills when Rage Against the Machine were battling X Factor. And it was a battle. It was dramatic to the last drop. And we did the show and Scott was great and everything's fab. Cool. 10, 15 years later, I'm working with an assistant producer who said, oh, do you know what? I heard this show one time. It was amazing. Rage Against the Machine again, Scott McEldry. And I went, oh, I know somebody did that show. Oh, wow, nice to meet you. And and that guy, and here's what I mean about the the, the mishmash <laughs> and the beautiful tapestry that is who we are and what we do. This was a young guy working on Asian Network. So because I am small-minded sometimes, I thought, why would you listen to something as common as the chart show? But then you realise that in this culture, we borrow and we blend and we just mix all together. So when, um, his name is Shashi, when Shashi told me that, that is when I thought, okay, maybe what I'm doing is all right. That's when I felt proud because I saw the effect of my little show, my little timings, my little, you know, scripts on a whole other generation. And well, I mean, on that, I've been listening quite a lot to Naja Jay at breakfast on One Extra and uh, I heard her the other day name checking you and I was like, oh, I'm going to be speaking to her soon. <laughs> so, I, I, so you do get that as a listener. You kind of, there is that sort of weird interest about, or maybe I, I can't really listen and not think of who's producing it and who's in the background. But no, it was really exciting hearing your name being read out, which is really ridiculous. Anyway, that leads me on to asking, can you talk us through what a typical day is working on the One Extra Breakfast show? What are the key things that you do every day in that show to make it what it is? I would say um, that... By the way, when I hear that quite a lot, I keep saying, yeah, but it's not the real Adele. I ain't got no Grammys. It's just the other ones. <laughs> get too gas. It's only me. <laughs> I'll get you a coffee. Um, so the one thing I would say, though, is a breakfast producer is it, it doesn't end at one. It's the whole day. So say, uh, okay, let's take, for example, uh, Mobos. So say the Mobos, so Nadia was at the Mobos. So if there's content at the Mobos, you have to be aware of it, or at least across it. So... If Stormzy wins or something happens that's huge, you have to be across it and aware of it so you can mention it in your show the next day because even if your audience get to sleep at a decent time, you don't get to because you have to know everything all the time. So be across stuff the night before, then get up at four. Yes, I have four alarms. By the way, I have four alarms on three different pieces of technology. Because one time I slept in, the first time in 20 years, I'm literally, my beautiful boss had thought I she thought I died I'm not even gonna joke 
because she lives in Ireland. And she called up the taxi firm and said, I want you to knock down the door and make sure she's okay. <laughs> I was ashamed when I woke up at 7.15 after my show started. <laughs> Miss Call saying, Adele, are you all right? So since then, I have four alarms. So my day starts off like this with my four alarms at 15 minute intervals. So then the car comes about 5.30, I get to work about six in the taxi on the way, on the phone. He likes to chit chat. I have to say, sorry, mate, I've got work, put headphones in and just look up and see what happened overnight. So I'm awake and I'm already working. Get to uh, the studio, set it up, make sure Nadia's on the way and then she'll come in and we'll chit chat, bleary eyed over, you know, a, a tea and then discuss what happened last night, but also how we can do the show. Um, Nadia is very reactive to stuff. She's brilliant. So if there's a, a, a meme or something that's happened on Twitter that we can use, we will use that in the show too, because the Winnetsch audience is different from others in that their fingers on the pulse when it comes to cultural references. So if there's a, um, a sound or a gif or something, they're going to know it. So our show needs to be as relevant in terms of, you know, Mobos, Will Smith, et cetera, as it is a song or or a phrase or, or, or whatever it is we're talking about. So it really feels as though it is literally your family sitting around your dinner table and you've got the teens here and the adults here doing stuff. So it, it's a real mishmash. So we do the show, fun and games. And then once the show's over, we kind of plan for the next day and the next week and the next month. And if there's an interview that we're blessed to have with a Hollywood actor, for example, if we did um, Fast and Furious a little while ago, they're in Hollywood. So if they're in Hollywood, that means we're doing the interview at their time. So that means we're going to use it at 7 p.m. So you go to sleep when you go to sleep. What's great about Zoom now, though, is that whereas before we might have to go to a venue, at least now at 7.30 p.m., 8 p.m., we as a team will all be together on the Zoom when Nadia's chatting to the, the um, A-list stars. I feel it's really, really important that no one is an island. It's essential that to get this family vibe going, it's a family. So if you're tired, I'm tired, we're all tired, it's fine. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So who is in the team? How many... How many- people are in the studio during the show or on that zoom call one producer me we have one ap uh we have half the content ap now on next show what's also as important is the uh the social media aspect so you have one ap that does concentrates on the audio yeah. and we have half an ap because you've got a girl the rest of the rest of the um, network who focuses on 
content for Instagram, YouTube, etc. That's it, really. Um, we have an editor, but Mel is across, goodness me, literally half the shows on one extra. So she works across morning, she'll do Target at 7 p.m., she'll do uh, weekends, so she's across a lot. So I probably have a tenth of an editor. I have one and a half APs, a whole me, and a whole Nadia, which, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not actually a lot. It's more than some. It's much less than others. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. I mean, I think because, you know, Mark and I working predominantly in commercial radio where hardly any producers, but then we've spoken to some and there's a really, um, there are a lot of bodies, you know, in that studio. So it's actually really interesting hearing that. But maybe part of not having as many people kind of creates that intimacy that you mentioned earlier. Because, I mean, Nadia's brilliant. Like she instantly, she feels like your mate. When did Nadia start? Like, did you have you been working with her from the start? So here's the story. I was producing Incredible Dotty on One Extra. And this was during lockdown. So I don't know what lockdown is because I've worked every single day because we were considered to be key workers. So I would go in. So I produced Dotty. And then Dotty left. Yeah. And in the interim, I was asked to produce, oh, Nadia J, she's a weekend presenter. She'll just hold the fort for two or three months. But, you know, just keep it going, Adele, till we get the proper one. All right, cool. And basically, Nadia just blew us all away. She's incredible. What I would say, too, though, is that the show was born as a lockdown. There's no question. We had no guests. It was literally, and at that point, too, just my ugly face she had to look at because I had a glass between us, Nadia and me and the security guard, because everyone else was elsewhere. So the, my AP was in her home by WhatsApp, we're, we're communicating. The other AP was in Manchester. My editor was at home in London. So it's just Nadia and me. So we had to create ideas and features that would exist by themselves, which is possibly how the audience became so much part of our show. We do not have a show without the audience. I'm aware that's, that's said often, but if you listen to our show, our idents are literally listeners calling in saying, oh, this show was amazing. It's them. And it was born out of the place of um, sparsity. But from that sparsity had such intimacy and authenticity and just warmth. And Naja found her voice and she's been brilliant. And I, I think I, she's just incredible. I mean, I would never say it to her face, by the way. So don't, <laughs> I don't get to too arrogant but she's brilliant she really is and I think too she's a kind of person that likes her family around her and I said to her too I'll never go on air so deliberately she often mentions Adele producer Adele I'm a member member man so that you know but yeah she, it's a very warm show because we only have the audience to fall back on that's great thank you and sticking with Nadia but also bringing in Trevor and other presenters you've worked with what are your top tips for aspiring radio producers when it comes to talent management and getting the best out of out of presenters? My first tip is you're not their friend. You're not their friend. Third time, you're not their friend. Because essentially, like I say with the, you know, if something happens, they're looking to you to get them out. They're not looking to you to have a drink down the pub. So as a producer, you have to find that fine line between being an authority figure but someone who that they can be comfortable with. Even if you don't know 100% what you're doing, know like 70% what you're doing and blag the rest so that the team that looks to you can feel comfortable. The second thing I'd say is it really is okay to make mistakes, but only if you learn from them. That brings a humility 
to the role because it's actually a lot of pressure. That's why I have four alarms in the morning. If you're carrying the weight of the show in terms of the nuts and bolts of it, it can get a lot. So if you make a mistake, it's okay, you're human, but learn from it and grow from it and use it again. And the third thing I'd say is, I find being a producer is as much being a psychologist as being a creative person because, oh my days. Apparently I can't have, you know, a period. I can't have a headache or a hangover. I just have to be Adele constantly. Everyone else in my team can, and I give them room for that because they're human beings, but I can't. But it means I have to go in there and I have to work out. So who is doing what today? What mood are we in? How are we? Should I get a cup of coffee, a cup of tea? Do a hot water bottle? So I can judge where people are at because I'm not a mum. I am an auntie though. So it's how you treat each person differently because some people may need a hug. Some might need space. But it's up to you to work out what they need and how to approach them best so that their best can come through so that your show can shine. Completely agree. Yes, that's that's, a, that's an extraordinary description you put of it. So um, sticking with aspiring producers, we've got somebody listening to this show who thinks, OK, uh, I, I'd really like to become a producer. What do we need to do as an industry to get our next generation of production talent in? I think we've started the work, but it could improve. So because producers aren't seen, it's possible the only if you only see a, a few of them, you think they're all like that. That makes sense. To the vast majority of us who are different and diverse, I don't and I don't just mean colour, by the way, I mean about ideas, I mean about even newer diversity, I even mean about um, the music you're into or how you act. What we could, what we need to do, actually not could do, what we need to do, is peel back the layers of that team. So I think it's about getting behind the scenes, getting an industry, getting, even if you get to sit in on a show for a day, even that thing where uh, you might have something funny to say. So I'll say something funny and then Nadia will nick it and take the credit. That's fine. But you have to sit, you have to sit there and see what's happening and how we interact to see how a producer can be different. That's a good answer. And if you were, talking to yourself when you first got into the industry would you have any advice for yourself that would have been helpful to you at that time just be yourself stop trying to be other people because you're going to be a, a bad imitation honestly i'd also say side note Adele, it's all right to be a geek because one day geeks are going to be really popular it's okay yeah i'm hoping so <laughs> fingers crossed eh our day will come <laughs> <laughs> and i'll be ready um do you on the show, do you ever have the opportunity to get work experience in or young people in to just kind of see how it, how it works? Does, is that something that you actively do? Yes. And we had to cut it um, cut it down because of COVID. But yes, it's yeah. opening up now. And also because on the eighth floor, BBC, there's one extra Asian network and Radio 1, all the youth networks. So we were making a real concerted effort to get more people in. You know, back in the day, it used to be, you know, your uncle produced so-and-so, so therefore you bring them in. But if your uncle doesn't have access, then how can you? So we're actually making very pointed, deliberate avenues into other places. We're kind of stretching into six forms and uh, community radio and uh, people who probably wouldn't think they could even get to BBC. Also, because BBC also needs to learn that the BBC isn't, the ivory castle for anyone, everyone anymore. 
So it's it's a case of making sure that the next generation know that they have a choice, but to just be the best they can be. Really learn by seeing. We mentioned the next generation and you mentioned that there are maybe other options now for people who want to make audio. So BBC maybe isn't considered by everyone as I must go and work there. What do you like? What are your thoughts about the future of radio or audio? What does radio need to do more of because of more competition from streaming services and podcasts and all of that? I think we need to listen for the longest time. We had the lion's share of attention and aspiration for every generation, right? And that's slipping. So it's just about listening, listening to the audience, listening also to those who aren't even in the least bit interested because we can learn from them as well. And to be honest, is the reason why I have confidence still in radio is that when nothing is left, we still have, we still need the company of that person in the corner of the room. And also imagine a day or a world or a, a, a catastrophe when there's no internet for some reason, or there's no, can you imagine? I can't either. But if that ever happened, you at least have your radio in the corner to keep you company. And we know this, we know this through COVID, we know this through lockdown. People fell back in love with radio because that was the company they had. So there will always be a need for interaction, even if it's treated as wallpaper while you're doing your bills or whatever, there needs to be something in the background that keeps people company because without that um, connection to the heart and connection to your soul, it's we're nothing. And we thought we thought we were a sophisticated species that didn't really need connection, but we've proved that we need it more than ever. So radio itself and audio itself is safe. The delineations of that though are difficult. For example, if BBC only ever offered four and four extra, that's a problem because we know that the the audiences that have been lo- loyal to BBC are getting older and will not be here soon. So we need to get the younger generation and get them somehow. They're not they're not speaking the same language. So let's just speak the language. Let's be a little bilingual. And then that's how we can uh, further the, uh, the progress of radio. Uh, joyous to listen to you talk and 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 to hear the enthusiasm and the the, the fun that you obviously have in the radio. Um, there must have been moments that are surprising or challenging, and we always ask our guests to finish off by seeing if you've got a moment in your career which you can encapsulate in OMG, and one that you can encapsulate in FFS. So, is there an OMG moment first of all? There was the time, right? I was sitting at my desk at the office, uh, typing away, and. Bruno Mars walked in the office and I missed him because he walked in front of the photocopier. He's a very short man. <laughs> and he literally walked past me. What, he's shorter than a photocopier. Is This is the revelation. He is diminutive. Bruno Mars is smaller than a photocopier. Right. Hugely talented. Tiny man. And only when I looked to the right and he was uh, talking to his uh, security, I thought, oh my word, it's Bruno. You want OMG? That's it. Because writing a script about something. Looked up and there he was. Or wasn't. Amazing. Any uh, FFS moments you can share? So I would just say, okay, in all seriousness, actually, to be fair, it is about culture and identity. And I had to keep coming back to it. There was a time when it was, we like to feel that we are, you know, Adele, Jenny, Mark, we're our own people and we're judged on who we are. And I, I forget sometimes that I'm not. So there was a time when even in my environment, I was judged on how I look in terms of being a dark-skinned black woman. And then there was one time 
I felt so helpless in who I am and what I do. And also there's this thing as well that we do, we think we think to ourselves, well, if I just, you know, say the right things and I go to church and I wear the right clothes and I don't say in it or raga and I don't wear cap, then I'll clearly I'll be able to get through. I'll be fine. They won't, they won't notice. But they always notice and they should because I represent who I am. There's a wonderful quote. I wish I could remember who said it. But she says, um, being a black woman is like, walking into a room and wearing your history on your skin, which I thought was incredible because wherever I go, this comes with me and there's connotations with it. And so um, a couple of things happened and I got so frustrated. I couldn't shout. I couldn't scream. So I shaved my head, shaved my head. And so I looked like um, Grace Jones. And I thought, this is my, this is my, attempt at just being different I figure I'm not going to fit in then and I think that's when I realized isn't it funny how out of bad situations you know there's beauty sometimes it was at that point I realized I've been trying to hide I've been trying to fit in I just don't so I won't anymore and um you know like I say I'm, I'm five foot ten I'm dark-skinned black woman um I cannot fit in God's very funny he's hilarious because I can't fit in who I wanted to so when I shaved my head and I just was me, I felt a freedom for the first time in all my years. And it's from that point, I think, that I stopped trying to be someone else, which is why I bang on about being your authentic self. It was at that point I figured, well, I'm charming and funny with a head full of hair or no hair at all. And um, it really was a turning point for me. It's also much cheaper, by the way, because if you go to a barber, right, uh, it's 10 pounds every what three four months to shave your head there's no hair products and nothing it's beautiful now i have long locks though so it's a lot more work but it's fine your identities and who you are and as a person and how you find it and when you and well i'll tell you what too when you find out who you are treasure that with everything within you because we're all different for a reason i can't possibly be you and i don't want to be you and you don't want to be me because it's, it's, it's a boring lifeless life that way Thank you. That's that's fascinating, and there's yeah. I kind of just want to give you a massive hug, but also just say how amazing you are, and and I'm sure that that experience has meant you are as supportive as you are. Because when you were chatting about your team earlier and just how you're looking out for them and supporting them, and I can only assume that maybe you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but might not have felt supported at times you ne- you needed to be. And that is surely, as we've said, like one of the many traits of, of a producer is to have that like pastoral care for the people that you're working with as well. Um, so hopefully good came out of that without wanting to sound too trite about it. But um, There's always good out of it, always. That's how you get to be a diamond. And um, that's so cheesy. Goodness me. I'm so sorry. That's why I'm not on air. But that really is how you get to the good stuff. It is. Because you and I both know people I imagine who've, who who seem to have coasted through life and they're, they're pleasant, but there is a there is a, 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 a beauty and integrity and interest in the grit of people that have been through stuff. It's just different. It doesn't mean that they're angry or they, they're belligerent. It just means that there's something there that makes them a little bit different. And that's the stuff we all go through. Reset. It's funny because normally our FFS moments are a really nice, jolly, lighthearted close to the episode. But I actually 
really appreciated Adele being as honest as she was there to tell us how she has felt at times during her career. And it's kind of like life lessons, really, not just producer lessons, but but life lessons there from Adele Cross, who was so eloquent talking about radio and just about her role as a producer. One thing I particularly liked, I don't know about you, Mark, but I love how she said, even if you don't know everything, know 70% and blag the rest. I mean, I might get that on a tea towel. I think that's absolutely brilliant. But also just with Adele, I think that importance not only of being yourself, but of being aware of other people in the team. And it was very telling that she referred to the team as a family. And Mm. so how she sort of treats each individual differently, engages their mood and helps, therefore, to create the mood of the team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we really enjoyed talking to Adele in this episode. Um, And if you did, well, why not go and have a listen to some of the others in the series from producers like Trevor White, who worked with radio legends like Alan Freeman and Kenny Everett, through to Simon Mayo's Greatest Hits Radio and Radio 2 producer Susie Purdy. There are some great stories to hear and some really good insights into a radio producer's life. Just click follow or subscribe to hear the whole series. Reproducer. Reproducer. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.